Hello, and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every week, we bring you interview with makers and artists of all kinds from all over the world that identify as female, non-binary, or transgender. And this episode's guest is Rebecca de Groot. Uh, one thing that Rebecca loves about life is having limitless opportunities to create. She works with many different materials, including graphite, colored pencil, paint, metal, ceramic, paper, plastic, cloth, and wood. And while she believes that all of these materials are wonderful in their own respect, it is working with the natural beauty of wood, which gives her the creative outlet that she thrives on. Rebecca's recent wooden pieces primarily consist of lathe work and box making, but she has been known to make different items like decorative wall pieces and craft items such as hair pieces and brooches. She is well practiced in most ways of woodworking, but still enjoys branching out and experimenting with many new and different processes and techniques. She tries to incorporate life into her work, whether it is through the natural form and highly refined surface of the wood grain or through alterations to the natural order of the domestic object. Rebecca loves what she does and has no plans on stopping. And you will find us discussing some more recent adventures in her creative journey, which includes becoming a tattoo artist. So we cover a wide realm of uh, creative endeavors in this chat with Rebecca and so glad to get a chance to talk with her. Um, before I go on and thank the patrons for the podcast, I do just want to give a little reminder that um, after coming back from my uh, little vacation, we will only be doing one episode a week now. Um, probably for quite some time as um, this week, just uh, a couple days ago, I started my grad school orientation and next week starts classes and really just due to time constraints, um, it's gonna be one episode a week now on Fridays. So you can still look forward to hearing from many fabulous people as we work forward. Um, it just won't be quite as frequently as it has been over the last year and a half or so. Um, so a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. Thank you so much, Matthew from Artigiano Serio, Candice, CJ Woodgrain, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your uh, continued ongoing support. Truly, you make this podcast um, happen every week. So I appreciate you for sure. All right, with no further ado, let's head on into my conversation with Rebecca. Well, I do like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. Would you do that for me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get ready here. <laughs> yeah. uh, hi, I'm Rebecca DeGroot. I am a full-time high school art teacher, full-time tattoo artist, maker of pretty much everything and ADD, obsessive compulsive, all of that. <laughs> Love it. Now I'm trying to figure out how you managed to be full-time art teacher and full-time tattoo artist. Like, well, I work, yeah. I work, yeah, I work <laughs> about 16 hours a day. <laughs> During the school year, it's usually only about 14 hours a day, but I go straight from school to the tattoo shop and finish out my day at about 10 to 10, 11 PM. And then How do you start have time fresh to the make next morning. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I have Sundays off. <laughs> Okay. okay. I have Sundays off and usually during the school year I have one day during the week off too. Okay. So like Tuesday or Wednesday is usually a good day. So that way I have like two days where I'm working very, very full time and then a day 
off technically, but it's not really off because I'm still working at the school. Right. And then I, so I have like all of that afternoon evening off and it's like, oh my God, what am I going to do now? I'm usually exhausted. So I pass out for a while right. and then wake <laughs> up like feeling like it's three days later, you know, mm -hmm. and I might have some time to go out and carve something or like play with some stuff. But a lot of the times, you know, I'll just take my stuff into my classroom or into the, into the tattoo shop and I'll work on it there. So mm. every once in a while, I'll get my students kind of interested in what I'm doing by just standing over their shoulder while I tell them what <laughs> they need to do. <laughs> that works too. That works too. Yeah. I don't yeah, think you know. I knew... I'm pretty sure I did not know about, well, actually either one of those that you were an art teacher or that you were a tattoo artist. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the, about the carving stuff. Uh, right. Well, the yeah. tattooing is pretty new. I've been at it for less than a year. I'll, I'll, I will have been at the shop I'm at now for, uh, it'll be a year in November. Okay. So it's coming up on that. It seems like it's gone so fast. Are and you with technically like an apprentice then or like technically still yes. Okay. Um but I've been I've been added to the roster as one of their like tattooers in rotation. Nice. So it's like yeah, people come yeah. in, there's walk-in, basically everybody else gets first dibs if nobody else wants it, I get to take walk-ins or if I schedule my own appointments, they're they're all mine. Right. Yeah. 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 And then uh, the teaching, I've been doing that for eight years now in Houston. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Going on my ninth year and hopefully my last. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, I have not envied teachers over the last um, three years at all. Yep. Um, yep. No, it's, it's uh, <laughs> something I'm working my way out of. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um. I'm going to try to avoid now just diving down the path of talking about tattoos because like that's on my brain right now because I want to get a new one. So, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I've recently been told I'm allowed to travel with my tattoo kit. So Ooh, there we go. You know, might do a might do a cross country <laughs> tattoo thing. <laughs> Well, from where you're at, you just got to go straight north pretty much to get to me. So it's all oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I have, I do have some relatives or in-laws that live in Texas, um, Plano area, but. Okay. That's yeah. actually where I got one of my lathes. Ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I want to step back and be like, what is the, the grand story of Rebecca? Like, where did, you know from baby Rebecca like where did you grow up or, you know what kind of things were you into to how you got to basically being like three full-time jobs right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um I grew up in Hesperia Michigan and not very many people know where that is because it's in the middle of absolute nowhere but if you've ever heard of Gerber baby food Mm -hmm. Um, I am, I'm actually like officially a Gerber baby. I was born in the Gerber baby or in the Gerber hospital in Fremont, Michigan. <laughs> and, um, I know Michiganders have this thing where like, they'll show you the mitten and they'll point to where like yeah. on the mitten they are. And you can see a tiny little dot right there. <laughs> it used to be a heart, but palm tattoos are notorious for disappearing over time. But I was, I grew up right around there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we lived in the middle of nowhere on 40 wooded acres and I was actually homeschooled up until seventh grade so literally just woods and nature and like animals and things and just places to explore and things to make and I remember growing up with my three brothers um like going out into the woods and just like hanging out all day and like building forts and like making a lean-to and building some other structures and climbing trees and finding bugs and like just I don't know latchkey kids but not really because yeah. I mean my mom was a stay-at-home mom we she would just like be in the house most of the day doing her thing and we would just like take off into the woods <laughs> stressed her out to no end because I remember she told us a story where the two younger ones because we're all within three years of each other um, the two younger twins 
they would like take off in one direction and then I would take off in another direction and my older brother would take off in a totally separate direction and she's like okay obviously like the twins are the most important because there's two of them and they're the youngest and they can get lost but then there's these other two that I don't know where they're going and they're only up to a year and a half older and it's just like constant stress for my mom so I'd have to apologize to her at some point for doing that (laughs) but um, my dad was a woodworker and he would always come home from doing his own like woodworking and construction and like fine craft type things and we'd eat dinner as a family and then he'd go straight out to his shop and I recently found out that my dad's been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD, one of the two. And it's like every time he describes this to me where he'd get home, he'd like sit through dinner. But the whole time he'd be sitting through dinner, he'd be like, all right, I, I really want to go out and like finish this thing that I started like three days ago. And he'd go straight out there and he would just like dive in and completely lose himself. And I would be right behind him on his heels, following him out to the shop, watching what he was doing and getting just really into it. And I remember there was one day and I was usually just there as his little shop helper or watcher, mm-hmm. or just hanging out with dad, you know, and there was one day that he got on the lathe and he was turning And, you know, I was used to the normal turning where he'd like turn one axis things and he did a lot of honey dippers and a lot of um, like candlesticks and different things like that. Well, then this this day he ended up turning the thing that he was making on a different axis and he made this like multi-axis scoop and my mind was just blown and I'm like, okay, my dad must be a wizard because this is not possible. (laughs) And so... I, I got really into it then. And I'm talking like four or five years old. And he finally let me start learning my own like stuff on the lathe. And my his rule was very simple. When I could stand on the bucket and reach the lathe, he would teach me how to turn. So I was like five years old turning honey dippers and my own version of these like really bad scoops. But uh, he let me, my older brother, I think my younger brothers got into it after a little while. But it was always kind of a household of making and crafting. And like when I was 10, I learned how to do glass working because I took a, I took a jewelry class at this local art gallery and got really into the jewelry class just for that, like couple hours. And the teacher at the class was like, your daughter seems to have the hang of this. How would she like to take like private classes? And I was like, yes, please sign me up. So I learned how to do lamp working at like 10 years old and like went to the junkyard down the road, got my workbench that wouldn't catch on fire. (laughs) Ended up catching my hair on fire a couple of times, just little spots like this moments and you smell it in the air for the next hour and a half. And uh, I mean, it was, it was constant, like creative opportunities where we were and uh, my parents ended up separating a little bit later and I didn't really think too much of turning or carving or doing any of the creative stuff except for like my own stuff which was mostly like drawing and painting and the stuff that I was allowed to do in school and later on I ended up going to Kendall College of Art and Design in Grand Rapids, Michigan to be an art teacher because I found that not only could I like make the stuff but I could also show other people how to do it and I really enjoyed that so I got really into that and I started going for teaching and for teaching art you have to take little bits of every single other class like drawing and painting and sculpture and ceramics and um, just everything and I was in my painting class which was kind of funny because the the class was called introduction to painting but the whole thing didn't fit on the schedule so it was actually introduction to pain (laughs) (laughs) with the teacher who was amazing um he he kind of did make it a little painful at points because I was like okay I'm not really getting this but I'll like stay another like four hours after class and keep trying to figure it out and I got it but during that class we had to make our own stretchers for the canvases that we were painting on and he got everybody down on the elevator or had us all walk down the stairs to the basement and I was like okay where are we going because I had never been to the basement of my school it was just one building um, right downtown Grand Rapids and you know the art education floor was like the second floor and then like the painting was up on the sixth floor and there was like administration on the seventh and every other like Uh, subject matter had a different floor of the building and I didn't even know there was anything in the basement so I'd never gone down there well 
I went down there with the class and like walked into this giant wood studio and I'm like, what? <laughs> Where has this been? And so I, I walk in there and like there's band saws, there's like lathes up against the wall. We've got two saw stop table saws and like workbenches everywhere, storage containers everywhere. And like this guy that runs the wood shop. And he introduces us to Mark, the guy that runs the wood shop. And he's like, all right, let me show you around. So he shows us around, shows us the basics of making a stretcher. And like during this time, I'm like, how do I stay here? How, how do I make this possible to just be here more? Because like all of these things, I'm starting to recognize machines that my dad had. And I'm starting to remember things that we did as like children. And I'm just like, immediately, like by the end of the week, I'd already talked to my counselor. I was like, sign me up for whatever I need to sign up for to get down there more. So I started taking um, functional art classes. And the first functional art class I had, I was miserable most of that first semester because it was like, it was stupid stuff. And it was like taking masonite and making a shelf by gluing masonite together by like putting fabric at the seams. I was like, this isn't woodworking. This is dumb. This feels like crafting. And I was like, I really wanted to get into that fine woodworking. And then I was like, all right, so like teach me more like I want to know more and then I built this box there that was like it had all these locks along the outside but then the keys were visible inside the box and it was like <laughs> this like kind of f you to <laughs> the whole class and everything I was like this guy sucks <laughs> and then the last <laughs> he ended up being like my favorite professor um, his name is Bob Marsh he still teaches there he's like the head of the department now and <laughs> finally at the end of this semester I was like please like we had a little bit of openness for what we had to do and the requirements for the project so it was like a little bit more like choose your own path kind of a thing and I was like please teach me how to turn like I really want to learn how to turn again and it was this project that he assigned that had to do with like uh contrast and juxtaposition and so what I wanted to do was have like this bench that's like an l-shaped bench and it made it look like the the bench was so heavy that it was like crushing the legs underneath it. And so I had this idea that I would turn these like giant wooden legs and I'm like, this is going to be great. <laughs> so I start gluing up all these pieces and this is after I begged them to teach me how to turn and they're like, okay, figure out your project and then we'll show you how to turn it. So I was like, okay. And so I start building these legs out of ash, which was the worst choice. And <laughs> they're huge and they're hollow and they're not super heavy because they're all hollowed out, you know? And I get it. I get it on the lathe. They finally like grudgingly like go over and show me how to turn and it takes me like eight hours per leg and I'm doing three of these things so I'm spending like three full days in the shop and nobody else is using the lathe at this time so I could just leave everything up there I could leave it all laid out I can like clean a little bit you know but not right, full yeah. clean and like I'm like my hands hurt, my wrists hurt, like my finger, I'm like white knuckling the tools yes. the whole time. It's just like ka -chunk, ka -chunk, ka -chunk, the whole time. And I'm like, this sucks, but I love it so much. <laughs> and so I, I'm like, this has got to be something that I can like incorporate into my future classes. So I keep going with it. And I end up getting so into my studio classes that I screw up my schedule and I miss a couple opportunities to take my art education classes, which ends up adding an extra year and a half onto my schedule. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I just kind of screwed myself. Right. So I'm like, all right, so how do I do this and still get like the, the benefits of being like a full-time student? So I started just taking more of what's required to be um, a sculpture and functional art major. And I ended up graduating with the both majors but during the time that I was taking all those extra classes, I got to take like functional art three, uh, two, three, and four, and started taking more of like those thesis classes that really like round out those sculpting things. And during that time, I got really into wood turning and I got really into carving. And it was around 2012 that I started like putting the legs on things that I make and like really making everything kind of come to life. Mm -hmm. And it was one project. It was in uh, functional art four with Bob still. And he was, he already had told 
I already had in my mind that I wanted to do something on the lathe. And then he comes at us with this project that has to incorporate a timbre. And if you're not familiar with what a timbre is, it's a bunch of slats of wood that are usually canvas backed that run in a track. And I'm like, how in the effing hell am I going to put a timbre on the lathe? Uh-huh. <laughs> And so like he he's like still talking about this thing and I get ahead of myself. So by the time he's done explaining what a timbre is and how it works, I already have this weird sketch that looks like some sort of alien cheeseburger thing. (laughs) (laughs) It ends up kind of evolving and like it didn't have legs at that point. It just kind of had the idea of the fact that it's like elevated above the table. And so I keep working on it and I start asking him questions like, all right, so Bob, how hard would it be to, to like add onto my timbre pieces and have them not just slats, but have them like spikes instead. And he's like, well, I mean, it would be challenging, but you can do it. And I was like, okay, well, how hard would it be to have like the track without an opening or like the, the timbre without an opening. He's like, again, it would be kind of challenging. You just have to take good measurements, but you could do it. And I was like, okay. So like more questions like this and more responses, like this is going to be hard for you to do, but you can try. And right. like all of those things, I was like, this sounds like a challenge. So I just got really into it. And I got really into like, how can I make this as hard as humanly possible, but still have a successful piece from it? And I ended up spending a full month and there were days that I was spending like 16 hours in the shop, like from open to close. I was like waiting until everybody, like until the guy opened up the shop um, on those days. No, you know what? Actually, by then I was already working in the wood shop as a student work study. So I was like, clock. I was <laughs> clocking in in the morning and I was there until close. And I was like, don't worry, I'll stay late and lock up. And the janitors were like kicking me out at two in the morning when they should shut the school down I'm like I'm sorry Joe it's just a couple more minutes and so I was like I was into it but what should have taken multiple months I was I squeezed into like 30 days and like we did the critique I had part of this thing like sanded to 60 grit and just slapped some oil on it and it created this like fur texture and I was like yeah I wanted to do that kind of made it more animalistic (laughs) right and so this critique I had it was all like oh my god that's so cool well how did you achieve that I was like that's what I tried to do you know (laughs) like definitely intentional Mm -hmm. and you know they teach you in art school like always act like everything you did was intentional I was like I can do that so I did it and then my Bob afterwards came up to me he's like so Rebecca um you're gonna finish this right and I was like yeah I'll finish it don't worry it took me like three more months of sanding and refining to get it to where I wanted it to be and then he was like yeah okay that looks done now and as a result I ended up getting into my first uh, student exhibition furniture as danger so I already started down like this theme and so I was like all right I need to make a second piece because I can't just go into this like exhibition with one piece so I made another piece that has spikes all over the inside I still have both of these pieces too from like 10 years ago um but I was like I was like I gotta do something that's like really dangerous looking so I've got like probably hundreds of spikes that I had to modify the pencil sharpener to sharpen these spikes because they were like three eighth inch cherry dowels and I got really sick of doing like this action with a pencil sharpener mm-hmm. that was mounted in the wood shop. So I went to Mark, the guy that ran the wood shop, and I was like, Do you mind if I modify this? And he's like, What do you mean? And I told him, <laughs> I was like, I just need to make it a little bit easier to use long term, right? And he's like, Just don't break it. I was like, Okay. So go over to the welding studio and weld up a handle for it, turn a nice ergonomic, <laughs> comfortable like handle that fits onto the metal bar. And everything's great. And now we've got this pencil sharpener that's got like a 10 inch crank on it. (laughs) And it was great. No more blisters. It was wonderful. And then at that point, people were coming down to the wood shop just to see the pencil sharpener. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So I keep going down this path. The the Furniture is Danger show is a great great show it was wonderful I ended up on my way into the show falling down a set of stairs so I thought I broke my ankle the night of the opening of the show so uh that was quite interesting I can't avoid danger 
Um, did I mention, mention I'm like really clumsy too? Shouldn't be working with tools, but I do it anyways. And so from this, I end up doing not so much uh, carving, but a lot more wood turning and a lot more sculptural wood turning that doesn't have a function. And it was always like growing up in the woods, growing up not with very much money, everything always had to have a function. And I had to like work really hard to break away from that, but you still see it in a lot of my work because there's still like very evident like bowls and boxes yeah, yeah. and like containers of some sort where you hypothetically could put things in those vessels, but there's some of them that you just don't want to because you don't want to screw it up. But then others that like, I want people to use it, but they won't because they see it as like this prized thing. And I was like, just use it already. Like a coffee <laughs> scoop. Like, like you want to give somebody a coffee scoop to use their, with their coffee, right, right. but they won't, they put it on a shelf on display. And I was like, just, just, just scoop it. It's not going to break it. It's going to be fine. But I, I come into that problem, but then it was like, it took so long for me to stray away from the, the function into more of the sculpture. And when I did, that's like the moment where I had kind of like my aha or my like angels in the cloud singing. And it was like, so I don't have to do like bowls and boxes and vases and things. I could just like make a weird form and it doesn't have to be anything. And then my stuff started getting real weird. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like the whole evolution. It's like baby Rebecca up until now and my stuff is still weird. And I, st you still see like all oh the God. strange things. This piece. Oh yeah. I'm like still obsessed with this thing. I'm <laughs> so obsessed with that thing. <laughs> <laughs> that, so that piece that you just showed is um, the last two years, the American Association of Woodturners has reached out to me asking to donate a piece for their professional outreach program auction Ooh. and the last year was elements and this year was the space between was the theme and so it, it i love themed things because again it's like a challenge like how can i make my how can i force my stuff into this theme mm -hmm. but then at the same time it's like how can I break away from what I normally do and do something a little bit different? Um, and it's kind of that combination. So I wanted that piece to look like it was almost being stretched apart. Mm -hmm. And I, I really enjoyed making it. And now I want to do more of that texture and more of that dry brushing and more of that kind of like literally just the space between where you see into this void, all of these like new kind of opportunities for kind of creative input or um sort of surprise elements I guess I mean I think like I think that caught my attention because this is probably going to sound totally weird but that's like what I see in my head <laughs> like that, <laughs> that especially that spot that's like the the pulled apart in those shapes like I'm mm -hmm. always chasing after basically those shapes that you made um into the I don't know, base Vessel? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um that's like I mean I want to make an entire table like that where I've got yeah. it like you know pretty much hollowed out and then have all of that space go into there so like it was definitely like down my vein of like ooh. Um, yeah <laughs> I don't know. And then, and then I was, I wanted to be like, were you like watching Stranger Things at the time? Because I feel like, <laughs> you know, that there's like definitely a connection kind of with that. I don't know. No, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think I was at the time. I have seen it. Yeah. Um, but one of, one of the kind of paths I went down recently and the, recently as in like since 2017, 2018 um, was making these sculptural forms and taking away something that kind of distracts you from the form and what I what I like to take away is color mm. and so I've been dyeing a lot of my work just jet black either through like a steel wool and vinegar ebonizing solution or just with like a concentrated dye mm -hmm. and I think it just makes the form feel more powerful and more kind of impactful I guess like you're looking at a form and if it were just the natural wood I don't think it would I don't think it would like convey the idea that I wanted it to convey as much which is interesting because the inside of that one is color yeah 
Yeah. And it's just lightly dry brushed with like multiple layers of like blues. And then finally, like kind of this almost silvery kind of haze over the top of all of it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give it kind of Mm -hmm. like this, not shock element, but just this like little surprise, like a glow from the inside. Um, But yeah, it's just kind of taking away a lot of that distraction from the outside. But then again, with the theme, the space between you, you see that little element inside. And a lot of people had no idea that there was any color inside. They thought it was just the carved form and it was all black until I did like some of the closer um, close up images Mm -hmm. where it was like zoomed in on all of that, like new texture and new things on the inside. So I, I just wanted to have that like surprise. Yeah, I want to texture the whole thing. (laughs) No, but I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, that was the other thing too. I was like, how, how did she get the texture? (laughs) Um, I mean, and I know I asked you that question um, because I'm like, how did you get inside it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was actually, the openings were open far enough. I'm looking for my wood burner right now. I know it's nearby. The opens were, they were open far enough can't pull it Um, (laughs) I'm gonna pull it off the shelf uh that I could stick the handle of the wood burner and the handle is only like three three quarter inch right and you just like put in from all the little openings and I couldn't reach anymore from that opening so I would move to a different opening and like burn the whole space I could do there the only problem I found with it um was when I was doing the inside I didn't turn the best finished inside Mm -hmm. and as a result, and before I really knew what I wanted to do with it, I had filled some of the, I guess, like tear out sections um, with a resin, just kind of smooth it out and like make it more consistent. Cause I thought that I was actually going to line the inside with something else, um, which I'm not going to say because I'm still going to do this on a future project. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> during that time, I was like, yeah, putting like epoxy and resin on the inside, it's not going to be no big deal. But then I wood burnt that. And that was terrible and it smelled awful. And it's like, like full, like dust mask and like fan. And I was like outside and like my, my fiance ended up getting home. And from the other side of the house, he's like, are you burning plastic? I was like, oh, is it really that bad? So as he got out of his truck across the house, he could smell what I was doing in the backyard. And I was like, oh God, I need to stop. Yes. Yes. No, but not a good idea. When you're car, are you hand carving at all or power carving? Um, power carving. Okay. So I use a uh, Fordham SR and yeah. specific SR because it has the reverse option, and I always carve in reverse, unless I have to carve in the forward rotation. Um, but why it's do just you carve it. Why do you carve in reverse? <laughs> There's two reasons. Two reasons. So when I'm using my Fordham, it's a hand piece, so it's not yeah. like an angle grinder or anything. Um, you get instead of pulling the machine toward you, you get to push away and that's just more comfortable for me. And then the second reason is it spits the dust away from me instead of back up into my face. And I've been using my carver like that for like six years now and it hasn't burnt out the motor. So I'm just going to keep on doing it. I've, I've had a lot of people that are like, they're not made to do that. You can't do that long-term. It's going to break your thing. It's going to break the shaft. The only shafts I have ever broken have been when I've got them caught up in my shirt Yeah, <laughs> or like a really bad catch. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's like nothing is wrong with this thing and it just keeps powering through. And that thing is like a hog. And I've got yeah, that's the one that's one like one up right now. I don't have that I so want. Like oh, I I love it. Pretty pretty desperately want one of those. Yeah, yeah. I would check out your local wood turning club because most of your wood turners have it, and they might not be interested in them anymore. Oh, like I've I we had one recently that was for sale at a wood turning club that was like one twenty five. You usually oh, have to pay like three hundred for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, every time I have a chance to buy one used, I do. So I've got three now, but one of them is the older model that has the, it's like, it's like a round model, mm-hmm. I guess. But I mean, you can get kind of a knockoff version at your Harbor Freight and oh, okay. it, it works pretty well. Like I, I'm not going to knock it. Mm-hmm. It's nice. And it's, as far as I know, you can use the same hand pieces in it. And yeah, also We Cheer has another one. Yeah, I'll definitely check that. We have we happen to have a, a Harbor Freight um, 
in town and we have a new woodcraft in town too so i could probably compare Ooh. both yes yeah i got mine at woodcraft <laughs> so it's um it's definitely something i'm interested in i mean i have like i have you know a rotary tool and then i have the die grinder and all of that stuff but yeah um, when i was first like looking to get into doing detailed work the fordham's what i looked looked at a lot but it was just like I'm like uh I can't afford this right now so um, yeah I went you know other methods but yeah 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 it's it's nice I mean people can get by with like the hand pieces like like there's the Dremel one that has like yeah. the, the battery pack yeah, I guess and when I do my um hands-on classes like I travel and I do hands-on classes all over the place and when I do those I I tell them they need some type of power carver preferably a flex shaft power carver that hangs and I have people that come in with like what they swear by and it's like one of those handpiece dremels yeah and it's just not the same power and like the capabilities of the flex shaft too I don't know you can get into spaces that you can't really with the clunkier version of the handpiece and it's just I would imagine it's just like, power it's got to have I bet it has less vibration because the vibration's not going through probably the handpiece as much because the yeah. motor's not in the handpiece right the motor right. on the other side of the flex shaft so right yeah as long as as long as you're holding the handpiece properly you don't really have much vibration at all yeah. and like I can sit there and carve for like three hours at a time and the only thing wrong is that I'm constantly holding my hand in this yeah. position yeah. and it's like by the end of the day I was like all right I gotta stretch out my hands because they're mm -hmm. a little bit a little bit just like stuck in that position yeah. but it's not so much like the vibration where you have those after effects where everything feels like silk <laughs> yeah which is yeah. not a good thing yeah well I mean because I've also been toying with the idea um of trying out um maybe pneumatic tools um yeah just because of that like the whole vibration and they are smaller in general mm -hmm. for um like handle size um, yeah I've definitely been interested in trying those for like a mini grinder or um or, or the die grinder, like it just seems, I don't know, smaller and you get a little bit of speed control, kind of like a gas pedal, like, you know, the harder you push it, the faster it goes. Mm -hmm. can, yeah. Well, with, yeah. with the Fordham too, I've got, we've got the foot pedals. So you get mm -hmm. that speed control right. with the foot pedal too. You yeah. can have it set up where you've got like a dial that you turn, but I don't like that just because of how, again, how clumsy I am and how accident prone I am mm -hmm. that I don't want it to keep going when I need it to stop, right. <laughs> you right. know? Yeah. 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 It's Makes scary sense. sometimes. Do you use it when you're turning? Like, do you turn and carve at the same time? No. Okay. No. Um, but I did actually just get a system where I can mount my turning while it's still in the chuck mm -hmm. on a carving base. It's heavy and nearby somewhere, <laughs> but it like, it basically, um, mounts my chuck into kind of a it mounts it into the banjo and it can like swivel the chuck in all okay. different directions okay. so that I can hold it oh it's in my banjo right now you can't really see it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it'll hold the chuck and it'll like keep it in the area so I can carve at it well it's still technically on the lathe but I right. can get to any angle that I want so if I want to do any like aggressive carving in the piece I don't have to hold it in my hand anymore I can just have it held in the chuck and then I can put it back on the lathe and turn off any excess that I don't need anymore gotcha yeah mm -hmm. but no while on lathe I don't do any of it okay not really I mean, I, I just know that there are some people out there um, who do like use mm -hmm. the, uh, a carving burr on the piece while they're um, turning it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. I went down the rabbit hole of like, carving. no, it's okay. <laughs> Cause it's like, yay, carving tools. Um, <laughs> so, Okay. I still want to understand the connection to or where the tattoo artist piece comes in here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so or maybe I'll backpedal a little bit. Like you, yeah, you, you got from Michigan to Texas. Yeah. And that was for the teaching job because they pay teachers better in Texas. Yes. Um, yeah. Has it just turned into, or maybe it's just because of the pandemic, is it just not what you expected 
or transitioning from teaching yeah. into tattooing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I liked it for the first couple of years. It was, it was nice. And even before the pandemic, things just started to go downhill and like multiple years ago, before all this started happening, I was already looking at like, what, what could I do outside of teaching? And I don't want to discourage anybody from teaching. That's not my goal here, but it's, I love it, Mm -hmm. but I hate it because the students are wonderful most of the time. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the year, I've got like 200, like children, young adults that either absolutely love me or they like me enough that if somebody were to try to harm me, they would, they would have my back, you know, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> even if they're like, they're not okay with me every single day, they're like, we're cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but this just administration and like expectations. And it's like, Hey, I know you're already doing all of this, but let's add another element and let's have you do this now. And let's have you do this other thing. And let's have you write out everything you're going to do every single day and not have any time on the weekends to do anything remotely related to relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's still tell you that you're not doing enough <laughs> and that you're, everything sucks because of you. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that attitude in my life anymore. I don't want that type of like, just, I don't know, just being beat up all the time. And so I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to do tattoos. Like I got my first tattoo when I was in high school, I was 17. I had my boyfriend's mom at the time sign off saying that she was my mom so that I could go and get a tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) and I got it and I like spent a lot of time in this tattoo shop because like she was over there getting tattoos and some other people that she knew were getting tattoos and we would go in there and I would like just hang out and at one point they told me like hey you can draw why don't you like draw up a page and we'll make it into a flash thing for our wall and we'll pay you for it I was like you mean I can make money for doing these drawings so they gave me like 20 bucks for a page of like some mushrooms and fairies and stuff and I'm like this is awesome. Like, I want to do this. So then I started talking to like my mom, bad idea, telling her like, I want to, I want to do tattoos. Like, what if I do tattoos? Like while I'm going to school and she's like, well, how are you going to do that? If you're in school full time, I was like, I can do it. Like I can manage it. Like, and this place was like an hour away from my school. And I was thinking about doing it there. And I'm like, that's not going to (laughs) work. And then my grandma just finally talked me out of it. She's like, all right, just, just figure out school first. And then if you still want to do it, then you can start thinking about it. But really, do you want to do that? Like it's dangerous and you have to deal with these weird people and it might not be (laughs) safe. And like, think about what if you accidentally like stab yourself or like get some type of disease. And she was like really down on it. And this is my now 90 year old grandma who has sent me a picture of the tattoo that she wants from me. (laughs) So like, (laughs) she's, she's like been the most supportive person in my life, but, um, it was just something that's always kind of come back to me over the years. Like, and I haven't, I haven't been in like high school in like almost 15 years now. And it's like, how this one thing that I thought about after I graduated high school or right around that time that keeps coming back and I keep having an interest in it. And then there's ink masters and you watch the shows and you're like, I can do that. Like I can do way better than that person. Like they suck at drawing. (laughs) Like I'm good at drawing, you know? And like, I was just like, at a certain point, a couple of years ago, honestly, I was like, why don't I just try to do that? And this was right around the time too, where I was like exhausted with teaching. I've wanted a way out, but I couldn't find any like career paths that I was interested in and nothing like sparked any type of excitement. And so I was like, well, I'll just try, like, I'll try. So I started reaching out to tattoo shops and everybody ignored me because that's not what you do. If you want an apprenticeship, I found out that. And now I'm the person to tell people that because I get phone calls at the shop like, hey, uh, is the owner there? I kind of wanted to talk about being an apprentice. And I was like, well, he's not here, first of all. And that's not how you go about doing that. So (laughs) uh, 
everybody ignored me. And I was like, but why are they ignoring me? I'm so nice and professional. Well, they don't want that Mm -hmm. at all. They want to know the person and they want to like tattoo the person. And they want to know that you're like a cool individual before they like welcome you into their shop at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I went about it at the wrong way again. And I, I talked to one of the shop owners and he sent me over to a different shop. Actually, he's, he gave me a list of shops to try, knowing probably that they wouldn't take me because, again, I didn't build that relationship with them. And I ended up f- somehow getting an apprenticeship at the shop, um, not the one that I had talked to the guy, but at a different one. Um, and this lady was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like absolutely crazy it was two weeks of absolute hell and this two weeks felt like like a month and a half and I cannot believe that it was only like 14 days I still (laughs) like how how did I first of all how did I survive that because it was she expected me to be there as soon as school got out and stay until close so that was like 5.30 or not 5.30, 3.30 until like one in the morning most days. And so then I'd still be cleaning up after the shop closed at one. And I would just be like doing my thing, you know, and then I'd go home and get like two, three hours of sleep and have to start over. And then I'd get texts during the day of what a terrible job I had done. And I'm like, I don't need this, right. but I still, I want to be a tattoo artist. So I'm going to have to stick it out. And I was like talking to Henry about it and everything. And I was like, all right, are you okay? Never seeing me (laughs) ever because that's what's going to happen. And he's like, if that's what you really want to do, I was like, yeah, I do. I'm just tired by like the third day. Students are like, are you okay, miss? You look like you're sick. I was like, I just haven't had any sleep in the last like three, four days. Like that's all they're like, okay, maybe you should like get some sleep. I was like, yeah, don't worry. I got it. Like I have my conference period. I'll sleep for a half an hour in the middle of the day here. It'll be fine. I'll have my nap and then I'll go and work for another 13 hours after school. (laughs) And so it was like that. And then I got fired somehow from the job that I was just cleaning for like 12 to 13 hours a day. And I'm like, okay, how do I, how did I get fired? This is the only place I've ever been fired from, but you know, turns out she was crazy. She's like, absolutely crazy. And I'm not trying to be down on chicks. Like I was really excited to like work for a female business owner right? and like super cool about like the other people in the shop, but like some people are just crazy. And, uh, after I, after I get out of that, the shop owner that sent me over there, who I'm currently with now, um, is like, hey, how's your apprenticeship going? And I was like, I got fired. And he's like, you need to call me. And so I call him. And the only reason I didn't get the apprenticeship with him from the start, he's like, I would take you on in a heartbeat, but my son wants an apprenticeship and I'm not going to take you on when I've already told him no. And I was like, all right, cool. And so we, we talk on the phone. He's like, come into the shop and I, we need to talk. And so I go into the shop again. I'm all like discouraged. I was like, this sucks. Now I have to start over. I just wasted two weeks and I haven't had any sleep. And he's like, well, let me talk to my son. If he's okay with you working with him as an apprentice maybe you can encourage him maybe you can show him a few things maybe you can teach him some of the art since you're like an artist and an art teacher and I was like I can do that and he's like let me talk to him give me a few days I'll let you know if he's like not traumatized by the idea he calls me back that night and he's like when can you start I was like yes but it was like on a trial basis like he still didn't want to say that it was an apprenticeship he was like he was like this is to help you build your portfolio to get a better apprenticeship and I was like okay I can do that so I was like in the shop and during this time he's like yeah so uh how, how do you feel about, how do you feel about like this three-year commitment that I've had my other apprenticeships do? I was like, three years here? Sounds great. Like, and I'm just comparing here to the other right. place I was. I was right. like, this is amazing. Like, I would love to be here. And he was like, oh yeah, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Um, and you know, I only give like my apprentices this much percentage once they start tattooing. I was like, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, it's better than nothing and it's better right. than cleaning all the time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, how do you feel about this? And he just kept like kind of testing the waters. And then eventually he he offered me like an official apprenticeship and he like gave me the keys to the shop. And it's like, you're one of us now. And I'm like, oh my God, yay. So, I mean, it's it's been like, it's been a kind of a rocky road at the beginning, but then it's like just uphill from there. And 
And he has told me that he'll let me bring a lathe to the shop. He's letting me build out the back porch into a mini wood shop. So I'm going to bring like a lathe over there. I'm going to bring one of my bandsaws over there. Like I'm probably going to bring some other tools and just have it in like a little corner of the back porch area that nobody hangs out anyways, because the lawnmower's in the way. And so I'm like going to have this little micro shop in the tattoo shop and just be able to hang out there all the time. I won't want to leave, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things that like, it just kind of like never went away and now it's actually happening. And it's like, is this where I've been meant to be this whole time? And I just needed to do all these things to get to that point and like frustrate me enough to really want to leave that like forced me into this like path that I, I'm really happy I'm in now. So. So here's a tough question. Yeah. Between wood and tattoo, is there a greater love? I, I think still woodworking. Definitely woodworking because I don't have to deal with people. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's my <laughs> like as as like bright and bubbly and everything that I am when I'm like out with people, I would much rather be by myself, you know, like I've got my space. Don't bother me when I'm in it. Like I want to listen to my murder podcasts and carve, you know, <laughs> like I just want to like play on the lathe and make some stuff and show it off online. And if one of my mushrooms end up looking like a penis and pissing off some Karens, like it's whatever, you know, <laughs> But nobody's telling me what I can and can't do there. Nobody is trying to control the path that I'm trying to go down when I'm doing my woodworking. And I'm not doing it as income at this point. Like I'm hoping to be able to get out of teaching and kind of have tattooing on one end and woodworking on the other and actually start making it more of my income. Yeah. Um, but up until this point where I make that transition, I get to do whatever I want. And nobody can tell me how or why or in what manner I have to do it. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's very freeing. It's very like therapeutic. Yeah. And I think until I have to start making things for money, um, it'll be that way. And, yeah. you know, yeah, like Christmas time comes around and everybody wants gnomes or everybody wants Christmas ornaments or everybody wants these other things. And I am happy and willing to do that as long as I have time to do it. But it's just the last year I didn't have any time because yeah. I was doing the tattooing and the other tattooing and right. <laughs> like everything else. And yeah, I mean, getting that lathe on the back porch, it's going to be like, I'll be waiting for a client and I'll have two hours to just chill on the back porch, turning something or carving something and getting all dusty. And, you know, maybe I'll have to bring an air compressor to blow myself off before I come back into the shop. But, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's always going to be one of those things that I go back to because it's kind of my roots, you know, it's, it's what I watched growing up. Like I remember watching wood turning videos, like sitting on my dad's lap in the, in the recliner, like watching wood turning videos by Richard Raffin. Like when I was like so young mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, every time any like maker event comes up, I want to be there. But anytime a tattooing event comes up, I don't necessarily want to go spend time with those people because they're not the kindest people mm. and they are not the most like welcoming type of people all the time. Like the shop I'm in is amazing and it feels like everybody's family there. But there are other places that you go that you just, they're just very off-putting. Yeah. But woodworkers and carvers and wood turners, they're like, let me give you all of the information I have. And then I want you to run with it, not like keeping everything close to the chest, you know? Yeah. 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 I think that's definitely like in, in general, like the broader like maker community too. Like everybody's wants to help each other out. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know about you. It's like, at least personally, I, I never feel bad if like I taught somebody how to do something and they take it and run with it and end up being 10 times better than me at it. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, it's yeah. not like I see that person as a competitor now or whatever. Usually it's blowing my mind. I'm like, no, now you got to come back and teach me. <laughs> yeah. I want to learn how you, do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. 
I, I like that camaraderie, but I would agree, at least in, in just in general, in the sense of I've never tried to be a tattoo artist, but going into tattoo shops, like there's ones like you step into and you're like, yeah, no, not gonna, not, mm -hmm. I don't want to be in this vibe. <laughs> or, yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Or there are ones where it's like, no, this is cool. This is like a chill place. So yeah. 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 I totally get that. Yeah. It's nice. And the shop that I'm at is like, it's that chill place that people just want to kind of hang out at. Mm hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be surprised if I start sending you DMs of what I want. My hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> my books are open. <laughs> um, well, so I guess I'll ask one further question because we're, we are getting towards the end of our time, but when you say like, you do hope to get to that space where it's like, you got tattoo on one end, wood on the other to help make that income, what do you think, what do you think's in the, I guess, in the way right now of making that happen? Just savings, savings and not having enough clientele built up. Mm -hmm. Like I, I'm going to spend this last year of me teaching. I am determined to be in education for one year and only one more year. So I've, I've noticed over the past few months that I have been tattooing that now I've got people coming back and now I've got people seeing my stuff online and saying like, Hey, I specifically want you. Um, but then I see the people in the back of the shop, like the regular artists that have been there for a couple of years that have, they're booked out every day mm -hmm. and they've only been there for maybe a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, if I have my own stuff and I'm working on um, building up my clientele to a point where like maybe after school every day I'm completely booked or maybe after school enough of the time I'm booked that I can feasibly save up enough money that even if I had like nothing for the rest of the following year, I have enough that I can float. Yeah that's that's where I want to be like it's just financial yeah. um financial and clientele so if I have more people coming in specifically to get tattooed by me that start spreading the word and like start sharing that I'm actually doing this now mm -hmm. um that I have the confidence that I'm not just like quitting my day job and diving into something that could inevitably fail and leave me without enough money to pay my mortgage um that's all I need yeah. you know and I know that there have been a lot of people that are just like just dive in and like hope that it works and like you know just you know, hope that you don't drown and I'm like I'm I'm a practical person and I don't want to leave that much up that much up to chance yeah. but I, I've talked to other teachers that have stopped teaching and the year before the end they knew that that was going to be their last year and they said it was one of their best years Mm -hmm. And they're like, I didn't focus on all the BS. I just did what I needed to do to be a good teacher and nothing more. Like, I'm not worried about evaluations. Like, I don't care because the yeah. following year, they're not going to matter. It's right. not going to, it's not going to make any difference if I don't do my lesson plans on time. And it's not going to make any difference if I don't make it to a staff meeting. And I am going to, I'm very openly going to skip as many things as I as I want, as long as I'm still doing my job and I'm doing it as well as I can, you know? And I think just having that in my mind, it's going to be so much less stress. And then I'll be able to continue getting that income and this one enough yeah. to a point where I was like, I can just leave without anything yeah. kind of in my way. So I'm just going to take the last year and just do the best that I can. And hope that I leave a lasting impact on the school and on the students. And hopefully not too many students are upset with me that I'm going to be leaving them. <laughs> Do you, um, I know I said that was going to be my last question, but now I got to follow up with one. Because yeah. you did mention like teaching, like carving. Um, mm -hmm. You teach carving and, and turning then. Is that like another source of income? And do you see growing that? Um, mm -hmm. like, do you still have a love of teaching that you could see? Doing oh, yeah. Forward? Yeah, 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 for sure. Like I, I teach primarily I teach wood turning, mm -hmm. um, but almost all of my wood turning demos have a component of carving in them. Like I'm going to be at the Tennessee wood turning symposium that's happening at the end of January. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching walking mushrooms, which has 
uh, <laughs> I actually got a couple of them close by too, which has um, turning, carving, wood burning, and joinery processes. I'm teaching walking bowls, which also has turning, carving, and joinery. I'm going to be teaching the mini aquifer, which has carving, resin casting, turning, and painting. And then I'll also be teaching the last one, um, embellished boxes, which are turned, carved, and painted and wood burnt. So again, like every single one of my demos has carving in it. And that one I get paid per demo and I get paid like travel to go to the places. And I think they give me like some type of per diem so that I have food money and things. And it's like every once in a while, I just get one of these demos that's like a really good deal. And then there's another place in Chicago that I go every once in a while. I haven't been there in over a year, I think, but I'll, I'll go there and I'll do like a three-day class and it's just paid per day and it's all beginner wood turners. And if I could do that like once a month, mm-hmm. if I really wanted to, he says that he can fill the classes, but I, all I have to do is like plan it out and go there once month, once a month, once every other month. I mean, that could be half of my income, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, that and the other demos. And the good thing about the tattoo shop is that he doesn't care as long right. as I'm not blowing off my clients and making people mad at the shop. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can take off as much time as you want as right. a tattoo artist in a shop. It's not like you're stuck on a specific set schedule. Like we had an artist in the shop uh, this week that was like, he worked two days in the shop. He's like, Hey, I'm going to take a long weekend. And <laughs> You know, he got some like ribbing where one guy's like, yeah, you must have had a really long week with your two days. Have fun. Get some rest. (laughs) I was like, but the the shop owner is okay with it. He's like, you got to live your life and you got to spend time with family and you got to do your thing sometimes to refresh and regenerate and then come back better than ever. And he knows that I have this like side business and he supports it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I don't think that will ever go away. In fact, I've got a lot of people that take my classes that are like, if I don't tell them I'm a teacher, they ask if I was at one point a teacher because they can tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's just one of those things that I know that this eight years and soon to be nine years that I will have spent in the classroom comes huge into play into the demonstra- demonstrations that I do and into the hands-on classes that I do because I'm constantly circling the room. I'm constantly checking for understanding. I'm constantly like making sure that everybody's doing what works best for that person, not just what works best for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I wouldn't give what the experience that I have, I wouldn't give that up, but I'm just trading it. I'm, I'm upgrading, you know? Yeah. 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 I get it. Well, um, we are at the end of our time together and I want to make sure, I know, make sure that you have a chance to let people know like all the different ways they can follow you and see all of your work. Yeah. Well, if, if you want to reach out to me, um, I'm on Facebook as Rebecca DeGroot. I'm on Instagram as Rebecca underscore DeGroot. And that's my woodworking and other random life things. You'll see a lot of my dogs, specifically Chonk, who is the most photogenic lately. Um, and then if you want to see my tattoos, I'm tattoos by underscore Rebecca. Makes it pretty easy. Uh, where else am I? I don't even know where else I am. Oh, I have an Etsy page. It's um, Rebecca DeGroot Studio with no spaces. And it's got a couple of my things on there. And if you want to see some random drawings I did and put them on products, I have a red bubble that's also Rebecca DeGroot Studio. Okay. But I think that one does have spaces. Okay. okay. My website is not in commission right now. It's out. It's out it's of commission out. completely. <laughs> It'll come back eventually. And if, if it ever does come back, it's just RebeccaDegroot.com. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for chatting with me today. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. I enjoyed it too. I had a great time talking a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) All right. So again, that was Rebecca DeGroot and I will, um, put the links on how you can follow along with her in the show notes for today's episode. Best places to find that is check the description of the episode on your podcast app. If you're watching this on uh, YouTube, please check the description down below. 
And lastly, you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to follow along with the podcast over on Instagram. It's at crafting a revolution, uh, no spaces, underscores, dashes, nothing, just all one word ran together, crafting a revolution and say hi to your host while you're over there. You can find me, Katie Freeman at Freeman Furnishings and my co-host Katie Thompson at Women of Woodworking. Um, So next week, we will be back with a brand new episode on Friday. Uh, We'd like to thank Ashley Minnie for writing and producing our theme song for Crafting a Revolution. And um, yeah, y'all, let's go have a great week. And as always, let's go craft a revolution. She, her, fan, they got something they want to say. Solution for the toxic masculine.